I would at times pray for my my patient, treat them as souls. I look at them as they are God precious creation, you know, mm-hmm. praying with my patients, even though we were not allowed to really pray for them. I said to the patients, hey, you pray, I hold on to your hands and deep inside of me, I'm praying with you, even though I'm not uttering anything because the camera is everywhere. So I never allowed myself to be callous towards soul because, mm-hmm. you know, that is a big thing when we take each other for granted, we become callous and we careless and we don't have any feeling, we don't have any burdens for them. But what I've learned over the years Ministry is your life. You live it, you breathe it, you love it, you take it to work, you use it to help people, if it is legal, of course, and learn to pray for souls. Don't need to bring the work to home, but you need to take your ministry to work. Wherever Mm -hmm. you go, you take your ministry wherever you, you may be. Welcome to the Hacker Podcast. My name is Greg Hackathorn. I hope you all are doing well. I have had better days as my beloved Chiefs lost a heartbreaker today, just one game away from the Super Bowl. Such a bummer, but shortly after the game, we were able to baptize Nancy in the wonderful name of Jesus. Not a great day for me and my football team, but an eternity-changing day for Nancy, and that's what it's all about, keeping the main thing the main thing. And speaking of which, today we are blessed to be joined by Poe Hikola. He is the pastor of the Pentecostals of Cairns in North Queensland and works in the emergency department of a mental health hospital. Along with that, he is the National Men's Ministry Director of the UPCA, and he was just recently elected as a National Presbyter by the Ministry of the UPCA. He has a very unique insight on ministry that I'm sure we can all learn from. Before we get to the conversation, I want to encourage you to share this with a friend if you get something out of it and allow it to bless them. Also, if you have time to rate and review the show, I would greatly appreciate that as it provides me feedback and it makes it easier for new listeners to discover the show. Now that that's taken care of, let's get to my conversation with Pastor Poe Hikola. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's uh, so great to be here talking to you. I, mean, I, I count it definitely as an honor to be invited, so thank you. I've been trying to get you on for a couple months, and I was finally able to get you while you're on your holiday. Hopefully, I'm not interrupting too much of your holiday, but thank you for setting aside your time, especially you know your recreation time, setting aside to be on the podcast and to share with uh, some of the listeners. Amen. It's... Uh, you know me. If I can avoid any kind of uh, spotlight, I will try and avoid it as much as I can. So uh, this was coming for a, long, for a long time. So thank you. Yeah, I remember when <laughs> when we were in Papua New Guinea, I was traveling with my pastor up there. He'd been invited to preach. And you had been doing some, some work with uh, some of the guys up there, some of the local churches. And you just attended the conference and you're trying to hide off in the... <laughs> You know, big old Tongan guy trying to hide off in the corner <laughs> in Port Moresby. And they kept so trying to... to hide in Papua New Guinea, especially with my size. <laughs> it's just a standout, you know, like hiding an elephant in the room, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, no, it, was, it was so great seeing you over there, and it's just been great getting to know you over the years and your, your family and your children. I'm so happy that you agreed to come on to the podcast and you know, uh, I think you've listened to a few of the episodes, so we like to start this off by 
getting a bit of a background story of, of the guest, uh, just so the listeners know a bit of where you're coming from, type of worldview that you have. So if you wouldn't mind, um, Brother Poe, sharing a bit about uh, your background and, and what that was like growing up. Yeah, no problem. I, I grew up in Tonga, a small island. Uh, Captain Cook called it the, uh, the Friendly Islands. It's a small island with a population of about 105, 110,000 people. I think there are more Tongans overseas than being in Tonga. Oh. And uh, it's, I'm, I'm the youngest of 11 children. Some of you probably don't know that. And so, in fact, 10, because they, you know, the third child died when he was only a toddler. And so, mum came from a very strong Mormon church background, family lineage, and dad came from, well, shall we say a big family of unbridled, unrestrained <laughs> menaces. <laughs> you know, it was all about fighting, it was all about brawling, it was all about, you know, his, his brothers, they were all boxers, and they were, they were really bad dudes. Mm. So, but I believe God called them to be missionaries when he put them together, they got married. And dad, I remember he told me the story that he just wanted to do something different uh, and something for the Lord, uh, enough of being bad. And I think that was some sort of uh, a path that he paid for all of us. And so he became, him and my, my mom, they became missionaries. And they were sent to the mission field with nine of us in tow. Oh. Uh, we were, we were the, you know, with the church, kind of like the, the Methodist church here in Australia or the Uniting Church, uh, very traditional. And every three to four years, we were moved by the church from one mission location to another mission location. It was some sort of, it was great adventures. It was really fun to, to, to grow up in, in that kind of environment. More than half of the mission locations we went to you know, growing up, as I said, I was one year old when we already moved into the mission field. So, mm -hmm. and more than half of those mission locations, we went to, uh, did not have any running waters or no electricity. Oh, wow. Of course, no McDonald's, uh, well, none in Tonga anyway. But growing up in the middle of uh, that kind of lifestyle, growing up in the islands was, uh, I must say it was wonderful, mm -hmm. you know. I have the, the fondest of memories uh, of the, all the adventures, all the things that I used to do. Yes, we didn't have a lot as far as material possessions are concerned. Nothing to boast about, no, no money, uh, whatever the world was so concerned with, we didn't hardly have any of those. But I recall many, many times we could go for weeks without money. We didn't have uh, even meat, you know, to run mm. down to the shop. Sometimes we don't didn't have sugar or, um, you know. But what we we lack in those material things, we made up for in those intangible things, mm -hmm. the laugh, the the joy of knowing that God is looking after us and is in control of 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 our family. You know, the joy of singing hymns together with your family in the evening because. You know, some of those remote islands, I'll be honest with you, we didn't have uh, electricity, so we would have kerosene. And, and those areas, we, we, 
have those lanterns that, that run on, on, on kerosenes and, and sometimes we ran out of kerosene before <laughs> the next boat arrived. So in the evening we have to eat our food really quickly and then we sit in the house in the car and my dad used to start a hymn and we just sing hymns all, you know, evening as a family. And uh, I remember many, many times I was told to, to keep my mouth shut because I couldn't sing properly. I couldn't <laughs> sing in harmony. So, um, but I never took that to heart. I, 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 I kind of remember every time we, we sing harmony, I think I, I, I kind of cast my, my thinking back when I used to be told by my family to, to shut it because it's not good. You know, I don't sing very well. You know, I, I remember the understanding from a very young age that what what Paul referred to in his writing, he said, uh, in whatsoever state I am with, I learned to be content. Mm. And I grew up in an, in an atmosphere where contentment was everything. You know, mm. we had to learn to be content with everything. You know, as I said uh, before, some of the, the islands we were in, you know, you get served about three or four times per year, a boat will bring basic essentials. And sometimes we're very difficult to wait for those times to come. And we learn to make do with whatever we got. So right now, when we face some difficult times, I have learned my lessons already <laughs> growing up. So bring on anything like that, I am ready for it. You know, I'm so grateful for those times. I, I don't at all look back and felt sorry for myself. No, no, no. In mm. fact, I'm so grateful for those upbringings because the difficulties and the trials I'm going through right now, it's almost like a piece of cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah compared to that. So how, yeah. long, how long were your parents on the mission field while you were growing up? Well, it was until dad passed away from the mission field. Mm. That was back in 1989. He, he got really ill. Uh, he had a stroke and he... He died, but I, I remember growing up, you know, because I was the youngest dad, I felt like that relationship that Isaac had with his two boys, you know, always have the, the blessings imparted to, to Jacob, really. It was supposed to be Esau, but the impartation. I remember talking to dad one time and he, he, he couldn't speak. He was He had a stroke, but I remember entering his room the last few days of his life he sat up, and no, none of my family know this, but he sat up in bed, looked at me. He hasn't spoken for a week or so because he was ready to die. And he tried really, really hard to talk to me. And he basically said to me, is that you, Pa? And I said, yeah, it's me. I was only about, what, 14 or 15 at the time. Mm -hmm. He said to me, I'm not going to live anymore. I'm going to pass but I wish I could live to be proud of you growing up because you will do great things for the Lord. And so I knew then that God was calling me, you know, he was only confirming to me what God was already spoken to me about. So, yeah. That's amazing. Um, it's, yeah. It's so, beautiful. so you grew up in Tonga. Obviously Tonga has been in the news recently. Is uh, everybody okay. safe over there? Your family? My family, families are good. My mom, my brothers, they, they were only, well, they only live about 400 meters from the waterfront where they had the water hit. But when I finally got a hold of them, they made it to higher ground uh, to my auntie's place. So they're all safe and they're just so grateful. Uh, one of the things that they just 
told me that they, you know, they spend the nights just singing hymns and, mm. you know, praising God to the best. Of course, they don't know doctrine mm. very well, and I'll talk about it a bit later, but they know God. And I think that is the very building blocks of, of getting to have a great relationship with God. If they, they, they know who God is and mm-hmm. you know, what God can do and that, that little trust that they have. It's, uh, it's so powerful. They carry them through, give them hope through those times. Yeah, well, it's great to hear that they're okay. I know I, th- I was talking to your, your daughter Jemima the other day, and she was saying that I think you guys went like a week or so without contact with them, which right. had to be terrible. Yeah. But I'm glad to hear they're all right. And if you can, uh, if your church is raising funds, I know they're, we're having a compassion offering, I, I believe throughout Australia, I don't know about the global church, but within Australia, we're trying to give a compassion offering to Tonga, so definitely encourage anyone who's listening, if you've got a heart to help people, to contribute towards that. So ultimately, you found your way over to Australia. When did that happen? Was that university? Did you come over for schooling? Yes. Growing up in the, in the islands, as I said, was an adventure and everything, but when, when, when Dad passed away, it was a time for me to grow up, mm. uh, realizing that I don't have that anymore to look out to and look after me. As I said, being the youngest in the family back in the islands, you basically do very little because you are being spoiled and look after and whatnot. But I learned to grow up really quickly. And, and I remember some of the things that was left to me growing up, fondest memory, Growing up in a house where dad was the pastor of the church where we, we attended. And I learned three things very, very clearly from, from growing up in, in, in my father's household. First was the fear of the Lord. It was drumming into my life from a very, very early age. And so reverence and in awe of God to acknowledge him, even that the culture has put in place or, or, or kind of incorporated the belief about the Sabbath and all of that is interwoven into our Tongan culture, like no swimming, no shops, no nothing on, on Sunday. You know, that was all because of let's fear the Lord, let's revere the Almighty mm-hmm. God, let's be keeping in awe uh, of, you know, be the center of our everything. And number two, growing up at home was the discipline, not only in the areas of prayer, but the reading of the word. I remember getting up at some most mornings I would get up and my dad would be sitting there with the little lantern turned on at about three or four o'clock in the morning, start reading his Bible. And that was something that was just the discipline was there, reading the word and and and, and make sure like church in Tonga, we had church at five o'clock on Monday morning, five o'clock on Wednesday morning, Friday morning, five o'clock, Sunday morning, five o'clock, and then ten o'clock and then three o'clock and sometimes seven o'clock on on, on the Sunday evening. So oh, wow. four services at so every single service we were expected to be attending the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was drumming into the you know the discipline of making it to church. And um, another thing also that I learned, the third thing was living uh, a life with morals. You know, you have to have morals to the best of your knowledge, not according to what the Bible says, because as I said, I didn't really understand a lot of the Bible but what my dad taught and preached about. So we had to keep 
those morals according to scripture. So growing up in the islands, I knew from an early age there was something missing, you know, to, to scripture. So one thing I knew for sure that I needed to, to grow and, and go deeper in his word. So in 1989, when my dad passed away, we basically went home from the mission field and he, he died a few months later, as I said earlier. So I said to the Lord in prayer, I said, um, on my way to school, I couldn't pray at home because there were so many kids around me. I was staying with my sister's uh, my sister's place. So on my way to school, there was a little bushland near the school. So I would go in there a lot and just pray and talk to the Lord. As I said, the discipline was, you know, drumming to me from a very young age to pray. And I said, Lord, if you send me somewhere, I promise you, I will give you my life to do as you please me. Mm -hmm. You know, I will serve you forever. So what I know that what my dad gave me or taught me from scripture was limited, but I knew that there was a depth that the Bible goes into that I had no idea about. And I needed somebody to, to show me. So to cut the story short, my final year of high school, which is a couple of years later, I received a scholarship from Australia to come and study at Newcastle University. Mm. In 1992, I arrived in August 2000, uh, sorry, 1992 on the 27th of August. And from the day I arrived in, in August, September, October, November, those three months, I basically went from church to church looking for God, you know, mm. for, for the truth. So the, the, to answer your question, yes, I got a scholarship. I came to Australia with the aim, you know, I was, uh, you know, my whole family thought I was going to become a doctor, but obviously God had other plans. Had I become a doctor, I would have probably not become a pastor because you mm. know medicine can be very very demanding and so forth so yeah so i ended up coming to australia to study and ended up doing barber school but but i will talk more about when i when i finally find the law so that's that's how i ended up in australia i got a scholarship so your family expected you to study medicine to be a doctor what did you end up studying well, I ended up studying health science, uh, a degree in health science major in, in forensic mental health. So that's what I ended up doing. So right now I've been doing, I've been studying uh, forensic mental health, been working as a forensic mental health, assessing people and, and dealing with forensic issues for, well, nearly 25 years. In fact, wow. 25 years next month. So you came to Australia and you were looking for God. You're looking for a home church in Newcastle. How did you end up? Uh, making your way into Pentecost? Well, as I said, I arrived in August and I remember that promise that I had with God. It was almost like a, a beautiful covenant and, and God allowed me to come here. So it was my responsibility to go and do my part. Mm -hmm. So I remember for three solid months, every Sunday and Wednesday, I would go and look for church. I would enter many, many churches every Sunday just to go in there. Even the Catholic church well, it was so different. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the Jehovah Witness to, to, you know, to ask the Seventh-day Adventists, to Presbyterian, to Baptist. I, I went to every church. In fact, I was, I was um, playing music for a funeral in the Baptist church. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking, you know, but uh, 
and to make matters worse, I was only a student and I, you know, English was not very good. The whole didn't have a lot of money, didn't have any car, so was either by bus or walk for hours on the Sunday morning, knowing what time they start. I was I walk at seven in the morning to get there by nine so oh, that I man. can be at church looking for the Shikana glory of God <laughs> manifest right in front of me and say, This is it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, at the end of November, no success. And I'll be honest with you, I was quite disheartened, uh, rather perplexed. I thought God would uh, shown himself but i think god was putting me through some you know some times of hey you search for me for me with all of your heart and i will mm-hmm. reveal myself to you uh one sunday morning in the end of november i was sitting in my kitchen i was staying upstairs at a place called iron hall right next to the beach of newcastle Nobby, um, newcastle beach 11th floor i believe i was sitting there cooking my two minutes noodles because that's all I could cook at the time coming out of the, of the islands. As the youngest <laughs> of the children, I, I did not know how to cook apart from toast and two minutes noodles. <laughs> so um, I look up that Sunday morning and I saw these two girls uh, stood there all dressed up, you know, all decked up in what appears to me and, and what I perceive to be church clothes. This was all modest and beautiful. They, they, they looked very, very uh, something about them, you know that they are going to church. Mm-hmm. So I, I ran to them. I said, hey, guys, girls, uh, I'm sorry to bother you, but I know you're catching the lift to go to church. What church are you going to? And they said, oh, yeah, we're going to a Pentecostal church. And I thought, there you go, Pentecostal church. Uh, it's going to be a lot of dancing and a lot of this <laughs> and that, you know. So I said to them, okay, is that possi- if it is a possibility, could you please take me with, me, with you next, next week to church? They said, yeah, sure. Cut the long story short. And I know that when a oneness apostolic church, Pentecostal church who love God and heard that somebody is willing to come to church next Sunday, no, they're not going to wait for next Sunday. You know, (laughs) the assistant pastor of of the church knocked on my door on a Monday asking to take me out to dinner that night. And, uh, he was basically just showing himself to be uh, friendly and showing Mm -hmm. the love of God. And come the next Sunday, I was in church. God spoke to me in that service. I remember the message was, you need to surrender now. Mm. You got me, you know? Mm. Uh, And uh, so the following Sunday, I was prepared to be baptized at the end of the service. But but really, God filled me at the altar before I went and got baptized that afternoon. Sunday, the 6th uh, of December, 1992, I was born again of water and of the Spirit. And the journey began in the kingdom. That's amazing. Yeah. So you you start going to the church there in Newcastle, and uh, and you start growing in your relationship with God. At what point did you feel a call to ministry, to a sort of preaching type ministry? When did you start feeling that call? Because you mentioned that you ended up going to Bible school as well. So uh, do you Correct. have a, a moment, or I know you you mentioned about your dad and what he said, but did you have a yeah. further moment, or was this something that was more gradual? I suppose, as I said earlier, you know, the general calling of God, I believe that God had a calling on my life from a very, very young age, because I've always inspired by my dad's preachings and teaching and and, and heart for God. And I just wanted to be, uh, because I have witnessed my dad pray and and raise the dead, you know, Mm. that, that faith, that pure faith, you know, they had. 
And, and I remember growing up and I thought, you know, the Lord protected me because I knew that he wanted to save, safeguard me from my own stupidity because he had a calling in my life. And, right. And uh, so that was, I suppose, the general calling. It started from a very, very young, young age. But the specific calling when I finally asked God to, to send me somewhere so that equip me and in return, I will give back everything that I have. And so when he sent me here to Australia, I knew straight away that God is preparing me for something. Mm. So from that moment, I knew that he has a plan for me. But even the specific part of it, whether you know, the specificity of, 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 of that calling, whether to be in the fivefold ministry, you know, to be an evangelist, I thought I was going to be an evangelist. You know, I still... At some point, I was still in denial, you know, uh, being a pastor. I was waiting for God to move me along to a greener pasture. <laughs> you know, de dealing with people's problems. I like the fact that you just go preach to crowd, you know, save them and then move on. To <laughs> but obviously, that's when I realized that God's calling is higher than, definitely he thought higher than mine. So I just, you know, lay low and said, okay. But obviously, he went on to from that specific calling to be a pastor and evangelist uh, or function as an evangelist like all of us need to be. But mm. that's this particular calling, like Paul to be an apostle of the Gentiles and Peter to be the Jews, I believe that particular calling for me, I just found out lately with the men's ministry as well as the uh, the presbytership job. So all I can say, please help me, Lord. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I need you. <laughs> That's it's awesome that like your your story is so cool that you had this you had the hand of God on your life all the way through and even before you were born again of the water and the spirit you had this unction you had this desire to be used by God to 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 reach out to other people what advice yeah. would you give someone who is feeling the call to ministry and is wanting to respond to that call but Maybe they're just beginning to take these next steps. What sort of advice would you give someone that would uh, be on that journey? I think the best thing to do is ask a, a proper theologian. But if you ask me for what Paul would tell you, I love the sentiment from Brother T.F. Tenning when he says, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Mm. You know, when, when Jesus was tricked to by the lawyers, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And they said, you know, tell us what's the greatest of all commandments. And Jesus said unto them saying, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. But he didn't stop there. He went on to say, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as yourself mm. on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. To me, ministry is not a career path. The calling of God is such a privilege to, to have that calling of God in your life. That means he, the, the creator of all life, the creator of this universe has called you specifically to his work. He mm -hmm. entrusted you to do his thing. And, and you know, <laughs> it's not a career path as some people put it out to be you know it's not a selfish ambition it is a life of worship filled 
with God and his love for people and, and, and love for him. Uh, what I'm saying is God must be held at the very center of your life, mm-hmm. at the very core of your being. In him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. We live, we, we breathe, we operate, we dream. When we wake up from our dream, we live in Jesus. Not ministry, not our aspirations, but just simply the lover of God. Mm-hmm. To me, that is the most important thing. You know, sometimes we've got so caught up with, with our ministry. And, oh, this is what is expected of my ministry. I need to do this. No, 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 no. Love God. Mm-hmm. Because when you put God first, you know, the king on the, on the throne first, all these things shall be added unto you. Love God. Love him. How? Obey his commandments. Don't ask questions. Just obey. You know, in all thy ways, acknowledge him. Revere him. Fear him. You know, serve him. Not our... As I said, not our positions, you know, not our callings, not our vision. First and foremost, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Love Jesus and everything else comes. <laughs> when God is loved and worship right, go on and then do the next thing, which is loving others. Mm-hmm. In order to be a godly minister, you must have love for, for souls. Jesus called his, uh, you know, the sinners, his friends, you know, they, they accuse him as friends of Jesus. You know, we ought to be accused the same way as friends of Jesus. You know, we must have burden for souls that so we step out of our comfort zone, step out of the, the four walls of our house, of you know, the, the, our church. We must desire to see souls saved because the way I see it, I remember one time I said to the Lord, I, I cried before the Lord. I said, Lord, it seems like I don't have enough passion I don't have enough love for souls. Whatever it is, the best way that you can show me and you can put this heart, desire in my heart for souls, the burden, the love for them so passionately and so intimately, please put it in my heart. And I remember one day I had a dream. I had a vision. I, I slept and I woke up in the middle of the day. I was in tears because the Lord took me on a, shall we say, a guided tour of hell. Oh, wow. And he, uh, he 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 showed me. He said, "Look down there." And I looked down, and there was this wasteland, and behind the scene, but right in the front was nice beach. And along the line, you know, we we were in some beaches, and with so many people, you know, ready to swim and running into the water. That's what I saw. The miles, you know, as far as the eye can see, people were heading into the water. And I thought, "Wow, what a beautiful swimming beach!" And the Lord said to me, "Look." closely and when i look out closely it wasn't what i thought it was the wasteland behind was the world filled with turmoils despair hopelessness and people were staggering out of that into this beach and i thought it was a beautiful beach to you know soak themselves in the nice water refresh them but it wasn't. When the water receded, it wasn't water. The viscous, viscosity of the water was so thick. And I realized it was lava. It was the magma, the hot magma from me. It's like a volcanic lava. And every time the, 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 the whole thing come, receded back out, I could see the skulls of millions upon millions upon millions. Hmm of people. 
Um, that's what drives me every day. Mm-hmm. You know, in Jude, it says, you know, we save people by loving them. But sometimes you get to the end of time and we are very close to the end of times. And I believe with all my heart, we are living in a generation where we will see the coming of Jesus, save people, pulling them out of the fire <laughs> by fear, you know, just telling them that Jesus is alive. And, and to me, that is so important to have that love for souls and, and, and you know, the desires of minister, not, not there for your own selfish ambition, but you're there to save people. And, you know, when you do that, with those two golden life priorities in place, I believe you'll find yourself humble in the sight of God. You'll find yourself patient in everything that you do. You'll find yourself willing to do anything that the Word of God tells you to do in the kingdom of God. And you know what? The last thing, you'll find yourself selfless and more selfish in your walk with God. You know, this is the, you know, the Bible says in Philippians, is, yeah, I think it's in, in, in one of the chapters there, it says, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in loneliness of mind, let us esteem other better than ourselves, looking not on every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of other. Let this mind be in you, which was also, this is the humility of Jesus. It was all about serving his father and serving others. Mm. As a young minister, let me just say this, the way up is down. Someone said that, and I love that. Let the, you know, uh, let the Lord do the heavy lifting in everything, including you. You know, humble yourself and you will do the lifting. Do these right, and God will elevate you beyond your dreams, beyond your aspirations. You know, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Keep your heart soft. Keep your heart malleable and usable. Let's be teachable. Allow the Spirit of God to talk to you and allow the, you know, the men of God in your life, the mentor, the pastors, to speak to you and be humble about it. And only then that God can use you to your fullest potential. Yeah, I think that's so important that, as you said, keep the main thing the main thing, your relationship with God, but then also understand why you're called in the first place. Understand what's the purpose of it all. It's not for your vainglory. It's not for a spotlight. It's not, you know, so you have the opportunity to preach or to expound on the Word of God. But the main goal, the main mission, the main purpose is the souls of others, reaching out to others, spreading the gospel, sharing the gospel with others, others so that you can, as you said, snatch them out of the fire. Keeping that in mind, keeping eternity in mind is so important when it comes to growing in our relationship with God and, and in our ministry and reminding ourselves, especially nowadays, you know, um, in society, the society that we live in is so selfish, so self-centered in many ways, and we can allow that to creep into our callings and, and think about what's in it for me and and what am I getting out of this instead of keeping the main thing the main thing, loving God and loving others. This is for somebody else. To me, it might be an inconvenience, but it's going to bless someone else. It's going to help somebody else. Driving 30 minutes, 40 minutes outside of your path to pick someone up to bring them to church might be an inconvenience. You might not get much out of it. You know, you might not get to preach just because you did that, but you're reaching out to someone and giving somebody an opportunity to have an encounter with, with God and 
Yeah. Amen. Amen. That was powerful. Praise you, the Lord. You mentioned uh, that what you got your degree in and that you work at a mental health hospital. Mm-hmm. And, and this is along with you being a pastor. So you're, you're a very busy man. How has working in that field and working with individuals that, that suffer mental health issues, how has that impacted your approach to ministry? Well, it hasn't always been this easy. But as I said, early on in my career in the mental health, uh, I used to struggle with this mammoth task of dealing with people's mental health issues. I remember many times I would drive home after work, burdened, you know, because this is, these are issues that are really intangible. We cannot see it as like a, you know, a cancer that need to be cut out or whatever. We, 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 it's intangible. We can't see it, mm. but we have to deal with it. And, and a lot of these things, people are t- talking to us and we counsel them and whatever. It, it kind of loaded upon your shoulder too much that you have to take home with you. And, and I didn't want my family to suffer that, you know. Mm. So what I would do on my way home, I would blast the worship music on a regular basis so loud that I would just scream at the top of my lungs, just worshiping God. That was my way of praising my sorrows and away, praising my burdens away. And it was very effective. Yes, tears would be rolling. And, and I remember, you know, pulling up the the traffic lights and people looking at me funny, like, you know, is this guy crying about, you know? But, uh, you know, in those moments, I believe it was in the moments of, transparency you know when your burdens are so weighted and so heavily weighing on you and you know that jesus is our burden bearer when you do that you praise those burdens away you're unloading everything and let him carry those burdens for you and and it was so effective i, I remember by the time you know I would, I would drive about 25 minutes to get home and by the time i get home i was unloaded i was i was ready to go but over the years, I have learned to deal with these very, you know, with these issues in a very constructive way, in many, many ways. And so without compromising my heart or soul. So I would at times pray for my, my patient, treat them as souls. I look at them as they are God precious creation, you know, mm-hmm. praying with my patients, even though we were not allowed to really pray for them. I said to the patients, hey, you pray, I hold on to your hands and deep inside of me, I'm praying with you, even though I'm not uttering anything because the camera is everywhere. So I never allowed myself to be callous towards song because, mm. you know, that is a big thing when we take each other for granted, we become callous and we careless and we don't have any feeling, we don't have any burdens for them. So did I fail in those areas? Many times, I can tell you that right now. Many times when they push those buttons of yours and to a point where you just don't have a lot of grace and, and, and a lot of... Uh, of, of things left in you to give so you just snap and not in a bad way but you know in mental health the way i work in, in intensive care you give them medications and lock them up whatever you know but mm. but what i've learned over the years ministry is your life you live it you breathe it you love it you take it to work you use it to help people if it is legal of course and learn to pray for souls don't need to bring the work to home but you need to take your ministry to work. Wherever mm-hmm. you go, you take your ministry wherever you, you may be. So I've seen, I've seen healings in many lives. You know, a lot of people said, well, you know, but that is that demonic and stuff like that. And I'll talk about it a little bit later. 
I said, please don't worry about that because evil spirits will find you out. They mm. will know who you are, especially, you know, he that is within me is greater than he out there in the world. They will know. They will trace you down. And they know who you are. But, uh, you know, well, I, I know we'll be getting too far no, ahead of yeah, myself. No, no, that's fine not to uh, interrupt there. But, yeah, feel free to expound on that. So what, is, what are some things, because being raised in church, we have this sort of idea of, you know, if someone has a mental health issue, sometimes we can over-spiritualize it. And, and that's just my opinion. I'm actually asking what your opinion is on the subject. How, how is it that the apostolic church can better approach mental health issues? What is it that we might sometimes get wrong? Well, I, I'm, I'm not speaking for all apostolic believers here, but there are some diehard, shall we say, ill-informed <laughs> believers out there who are trying to grapple with mental health issues as, well, you know, they are of the devil or consequences of sin or God is, is neglecting you or, you know, and, and, and perhaps as a result, the consequence of, of your forefathers, evil doings and all of that. But listen up, <clears throat> mental health issues or mental illness is not a sin from the devil. <laughs> it's not a sign of weakness or a testing of your faith. It's, it's like me saying your influenza is a sign that you are demonically possessed. So mm. they're coming up through your nose when you are blowing your nose. So, you know, or your cancer is the testing of your faith. No, listen, mental illness is difficult enough to deal with without the added stigma and the shame that, uh, you know, that, that associated with that, that force a lot of sufferers to become quiet about it, even though in, in the church, depression is a lot of people, they, 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 it's, it's a lot of courage trying to hide your depression, but really there's, there's more courage in trying to force the joy. It's being, you know, if, if you're depressed, it's because there's a lot of stigma associated with it. And they, they, hmm. they trying really hard to, 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 to not showcase it, especially amongst the people who should love them more than anyone else, you know, uh, because we, we have been show forth the love of God in our lives. So mental health sufferings come in many forms, schizophrenia, depression, anxiety, compulsive behavior, substance abuse. They are they're common and, and, and caused by countless factors. So it has recently been estimated that one in five sufferers from, sorry, suffer, suffers from, from from some form of mental health issues, and one in 25 suffers from serious mental health issues. So those who have mental illness deserve to experience the same love that you and I experience, the same joy, the same peace, not to feel shamed and alienated. So the best thing we need to do is pray for them for healing in the same way you would for someone with a sore back, you know? Um, if evil spirit is involved, as I said before, you should make these spirits so uncomfortable and with the authority and power inside of us as Christians, Holy Ghost-filled individuals, signs, the Bible says, signs shall follow them that believe. You rebuke them, the spirits. You know, I've had people come up to me and they say, I know those individuals because they follow me and they can sit in the corner and watch me like a hawk because they know they, you know, one guy said to me one time, said, I can feel a spirit in you. And I said, well, it'd be, you do well to just keep away. 
Don't, don't <laughs> do anything silly. So I was speaking to that spirit. I wasn't speaking to the guy, you know. Mm -hmm. So the church must rally together in this hour, not only to pray for them, but to support them in their therapies, to counseling, you know, medications. They need to feel they belong to the church, filled with people who live the live out their preaching and their teaching, you know. You know, how can we better approach this subject the church? I will say through awareness, through teaching. Education is the key here. Love them beyond the, their state. You know, the ministry of, of presence, or shall we call discipleship, you know. Mm. Be there for someone. Disciple them. Guide them through their difficult times, regardless whether they have influenza or have bipolar. Still love them. Same. And how do you... How can you tell the difference? So you, you hinted there that, and, and this might be a case-by-case -case basis where, you know, you get a witness within your spirit that what you're dealing with is beyond a mental health issue and it's actually something spiritual that needs to be cast out, as you said. Is that more, in your experience, is that more like a case-by-case -case issue? It's not, you know, one rule for everything? We, we, I have encountered many times you would have someone come in and my spirit starts to stir up inside of me. I know that there's something more to it. Because, you know, we know that the devil, the spiritual warfare, the devil is such, he's such a, a terrible fighter. He, 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 he doesn't fight fair. Mm. You know, he will wait until you're mentally compromised. And that's when he will start doing things that he shouldn't be doing. But these are gateways to our minds and our thinking and all that. And the devil is very good at that. So he will use the vulnerables to, to do his, his bad, you know, to, 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 to attack them and all of that. So our job as Holy Ghost-filled people, yes, we can tell through discernment. and But the main thing is don't focus on the devil because the devil, you know, we have the light. He's in the darkness. We got the spirit. He doesn't have the power of the Spirit of God. So we concentrate on treating the person as a whole. We treat, we treat them with kindness, with love, uh, the person. We've had even some people come to our church it's, at work. They realize, they said, you know, remember, these people may be mentally ill, but they are not silly because they, they recognize kindness. They recognize, I'm talking about here, I work in intensive care unit where, at the end of the road for a lot of these guys, you know, mm. that's the, the, the final hope for them. And they come in there, but even though they have mental health issues, they have bad voices and all of that, but they still can tell when someone is caring for them and kind to them. So if they come to church uh, and, and do all sorts of things, we still need to be the light of the world. We still need to be mm. the kind hearted people that God has placed in their paths. Amen. So I mentioned this before, uh, or you mentioned it before as well. With with your professional career, you you have all of that going on. You're a pastor uh, of a growing church in Cairns as well. And then you mentioned that you're the National Men's Ministry Director. You're recently just elected as national a national presbyter for the UPCA. Congratulations on that and all the work that now entails, responsibility. So you have a lot of hats. You have a lot of things that that's that's going on. Along with that, you have family, and so on. How are you able to find balance in the midst of all of that? Praise the Lord. As I say, you know, there are worse people out there than me. So uh, I just, I feel for a lot of people out there who do more than I do. So 
But listen, my secret formula is simple. In order to get balance, to achieve that balance, as long as God is prioritized, mm. like I'll say this, and I'm not joking. This is this is very important. As long as God is prioritized, like putting Him first, second, and third, just to safeguard Him being you know demoted to number two and number three. You safeguarded number one, two, and three before anything else. Life will always be balanced. I can mm. tell you that right now. Secondly, learn to understand yourself. Learn to understand you. Because if you know yourself, you are no superman. You are no superhero. You are vulnerable. You can't do anything or everything alone. You, mm -hmm. you need help, especially the kind that is out of this world, you know, not Thor, but we need God, you know, <laughs> supernatural help <laughs> because of the, of the task that we deal with daily is of the spiritual nature. You know, have a, have a diary, do journals. As you're getting older, you know, you forget things. So you, you, you need to make sure that you, you write down these tasks and you just, you know, um, make sure that you plan. But I'll talk a little bit more about it later. But, one of the things that is so important also in your work, you know, never ever forget to be, to remain sensitive to the voice of God in the midst of all the, the chaos and a lot of busyness and all of that, as I said, learn to be sensitive to the voice of God, because I can tell you right now, it's something that I do on a regular basis. I will be going somewhere and all of a sudden, even talking to my wife, she will say to me, did you hear me? And I said, I'm so sorry. I have to write something down because, you know, because sometimes God will stop you in your track to speak to you about somebody that is walking past or, or, or you know, a message about your next sermon. You know, mm -hmm. why in the shopping center? I don't understand. I'll ask God when I get up there one day. But, you know, uh, perhaps a life that needs your prayer right there, there a mission that it needs doing. So it's so important to have sensitivity to the voice of God. So, Balance is all about making sure that God is first and being sensitive to his voice. Because sometimes God tells you, hey, forget that. Just have a rest. Because having a weekly time out to go fishing, and I know you, you love your, your technology and you like to go for a run and all of that. That's your, mm -hmm. that's your hobby. You know, you, you, you go like tennis. Or For me, every Monday, I will take four hours to go and play golf. Not every Monday, but a lot of the Mondays. You know, I prioritize this for the longevity of my ministry. I need it. I remember when we moved up to Kansas, my wife said to me, I said to my wife, that's it, I'm quitting golf. I'm going to save money for missions. Two months later, she said to me, go and join golf. <laughs> <laughs> you need it. You need to be refreshed, restocked, ready for with a fresh mind for the job ahead. So, yeah, always remember. Uh, and, and the last thing I want to say is this. It's so important in the ministry. Always remember that the ministry is a sacrifice. It is a joy, but always remember this sacrifice because if you think it's a walk in the path all the time, you'll be disappointed and you'll be discouraged along the way. But remember, it is a sacrifice, and yet it's only our reasonable service to the one who gave his all for us. Praise the Lord. So, this mindset, if, if it is in us all the time, yeah, balance is the result. That's so good. Keeping your, the right priorities 
and then also being sensitive to the leading of the spirit that you're not just blindly checking the box and going through your day, but you're allowing. And, and that's the, that's the difference between someone who's uh, wanting to climb the ladder, someone who's wanting to be a CEO, and someone who is a pastor. You have these other things that you're doing, but there are priorities in your life that go beyond the tasks that were. But we have to be sensitive to His Spirit so then we can operate where God needs us to operate or what God wants us to operate each day. Well, this is the the one that I uh, definitely want to know as a father of two young girls. My wife is especially, especially intrigued with the answer to this question. You're, you and your wife, she's a practicing GP, or for those who live outside Australia, a family doctor. And you guys have raised three kids. Um, and not only have they all stayed in church, but all of them are very active in the church. They're all very supportive of, of the work. And uh, your daughter Jemima is such a blessing, has been such a blessing to the church here in Sydney. We were so sad when she had to go out uh, into regional Australia and, and do some of her studies but we're happy to have her back we welcomed her back last sunday so it's good to have her back at the pos Uh, and so your two eldest daughters the twins they both just graduated doctors from university and your youngest your son is currently in university studying what advice would you give young parents who listen to this podcast what what are some things what's some advice that you would give to young parents and i'm taking down notes here for for my family, for my two daughters. <laughs> um, let me just, uh, you know, God's principle is always beautiful. When you apply to anything in life, always work. Family, you know, we all know that that is the very foundation of social of society. You know, mm-hmm. God's implemented in the, and established it in the first, first place and ordained it. And so I believe with all my heart before ministry, before God called us to become pastor or leader in our church, you know, I believe he called us first to be, first and foremost, to be spouse, to be parents mm. to our family, to our children, to our wife, to our husband, and to be good stewards of those roles. Mm-hmm. It's so, so important. So ministry is very important. And God forbid that we feel that we have to choose uh, between ministry and family, but remember, our family is very, very important. Treat it very seriously. We we need to take our roles as parents very seriously because if you're not proactive about it, the world will be proactive about it. Mm. You know, and 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 they will take those roles very seriously. We don't want our parenting to be a default kind of a, you know sidekick thing that we do on a daily basis. It should be a priority. Hmm. Discipline them. Bring them up in the admonitions of the Lord. This is what the Bible says. And they will never depart from that. Love and bring them up in that discipline. Uh, one of the things, you know, my daughter uh, that just recently got married, she said to me, Dad, she was making fun of me one day to all her friends. and said, oh, it was so confusing growing up. I get discipline from Dad and and after we all got discipline, you know, you know, not sparing the rods, but <laughs> but, uh, but then after that, we all lined up and gave him a hug. And sometimes he cries with us because it hurts me to see them in tears or whatever, whatever they do so, so wrong. But the hands that punished them is the hand that embraced them and loved them. 
and and they always know that whatever the discipline gave them, it was to, to do with trying to correct the bad behaviors and hopefully get godly behavior in their lives. So, to me, the most important advice that I would give this is this: make sure that you are the same person for your family outside of home as inside your home. Mm. Don't be someone different in church and someone different in your home. Live out your Christianity, especially behind the closed doors of your home. Because kids are very good at reading hypocrites. Mm -hmm. you know, they're very astute knowing if you truly care for them. I, I've seen families, they, they, they behave well at home, but when they go... Uh, go outside they just run a market no discipline whatsoever it's because they feel that they're free but our children when <laughs> growing up you know i used to we go to the shops and it's just a little nod or a little whistle or whatever they know exactly what to expect <laughs> of them you know yes. not out of fear but it's something it's out of hey you know what to expect of you guys. Yeah, exactly. you know don't don't do this so there is a there is a balance there, and of course, with a lot of prayers, my wife has done a lot of great work with these kids, and and it's a lot of praying every night. You pray for your child. If you have three of them, pray for each and every one of them, and you spend, you know, not just say I pray for so and so. No, no, no. Take at least five minutes on each one of them, and you pray because I believe the Lord will show you something that hidden deep in their little hearts and their little soul that. That you're not aware of mm. and from there you can begin the healing you can begin the process of guiding them in the right direction that's so good that's such great advice on many different levels uh, i love what you had to say about being the same outside the home as you are inside the home if you're going to show up to church and, and show this face of super christian well you better be a super christian inside the home as well yeah, no, that that was so much, such great advice there, and and if you've uh, made it all the way through here towards the end, that was well worth listening to this podcast. I want to thank you again, Brother Poe, for coming on here, for sacrificing some of your holidays, some of your vacation time. It's been a privilege talking to you, learning more about your story, and and I, I just I just love you as a human being, as a brother, and so blessed to have you on here. Uh, we like to finish up these episodes, these podcasts, with these conversations with a word from the guests. So if you wouldn't mind sharing a word for the podcast, specifically for this podcast, for the listeners from the Lord, we would greatly appreciate that as you take us out. Thank you, brother. Praise the Lord. Thank you, uh, brother, for the opportunity. Uh, if I may say the last word, parting word that I want to leave with you tonight or today is we are in some troubled times. We're living in very difficult times. But let me encourage you to say that God is still the same. He was the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is showing up every day to be still very powerful and almighty. And I believe with all my heart, these generations of apostolic believers must remain focused until the end. You know, look forward to the coming of the Lord their souls to be saved, you know, we need to still have burden for souls, because I, I can feel it in the uh, spiritual realm, there's a buzz in here, there's going to be a breakthrough, 
revival is happening. So don't be discouraged. Stay focused. Stay pray up. Do the little things right, and I believe God will powerfully use you in whatever area of ministry that you put yourself. Souls is number one. You know, saving souls. Jesus, of course, but souls, souls, souls. Save souls. The field is what ready to be harvested. Remain focused.